At Hatsis Lawyers, we're all about forward thinking. That's why we're one of the few law firms in Queensland to offer fixed fee legal help. If you have a legal problem, we have the solution. Now, here's your podcast. It may come as no surprise, but when it comes to estate planning, Australians by and large do it very badly. What I mean is despite Australians being wealthier than ever, when it comes to asset allocation following death, many either leave it too late or simply don't take the necessary steps now to make sure that there's adequate provision for their loved ones in the future. I'm joined by George Hatsis from Hatsis Lawyers. George, it's a strange phenomenon. It certainly is, Dan. Um... Most people, when they think about estate planning, their head goes towards a will. Have I got a will and is it sufficient? And and a lot of time that's driven reactively either because they've, they've sat down with their accountant uh, come end of financial year or as part of their tax planning or with a financial advisor in relation to um, superannuation or life insurance products or, in, or investment products. And at that point in time, they get a little bit of input as to you know, that it's a little bit more than just that. And ultimately, most people, as I said, think that the will is the be-all and end-all of it. And, and unfortunately, it's not. And I suppose, George, that's been largely driven by, you know, the $29.99 cents, uh, you know, will that you can pick up from the local news agent that is, uh, you know, perhaps uh, misrepresented estate planning as being a simple document like a will and nothing else. Yeah, exactly, Dan, exactly. The, uh, everybody believes their affairs are simple and wants a simple will. However, we spend most of our lives complicating it for taxation and financial purposes with invariably any small business person will is a good chance they will have a, a company that they trade through, they will have a family trust maybe, and for some of us may even have self-managed super funds. And what is lost with most most guys is that they want their affairs to be simple, they believe they're simple because they, they look at it through a certain set of eyes and that set of eyes is that I have control over everything and so therefore I'm able to do what I please. But that's not how the law sees things. The law sees that if, if, the, if a property is in a company name or a trust name or in the superannuation fund's name, then that's the true owner of the property, not the person who may have some control. So when you're wanting to deal with those assets, you actually have to think through that level of control. Do you know what I mean? I do. Let's say, for example, you know, we've got a businessman who's a local builder, uh, you know, over the course of his 25, 30 years uh, working life, he's, uh, you know, acquired significant assets, uh, also has a company, uh, might be a family trust in there as well. Where's a starting point for this fellow to actually start thinking about, um, you know, what happens after he's gone? Well, generally, and interestingly enough, most people start off thinking, oh, I've got to get a will done. And so, you know, if you don't ask the right questions, and, and, and you know, over 30 years of legal experience has, has taught me that you've got to ask the right questions. Mm. It's not just a question of, um, Dan, you saying to me, look, I want a will done. I've, I've got a half a dozen properties. Um, I just want it all to go to my wife. And of course, if you don't ask any more questions, then it's easy. To That's where it goes. Will. Yeah. Exactly. And of course, what happens is that if it's owned by different entities, nothing happens like that that, that easily. And so you've got to deal with the ownership and the control. 
And I'm assuming, George, also, I mean, we talked a lot about, you know, the financial assets, but if there is a blended family in the mix, that also adds another complex dimension to it as well, doesn't it? Oh, totally. I mean, one, one of the most simple ways of, of exhibiting control, and we've talked about different legal entities, um, and just to digress, you know, the shares in a company you is what you need to deal with, but we'll talk about that shortly. The more, more basic thing is most husbands and wives or partners own their, their, their home as what's called joint tenants. Now, that's a generalisation, I know, but as joint tenants. So what that means is that the right of survivorship, which is a legal maxim, the right of survivorship applies. Therefore, if one dies, the survivor gets the whole lot. Now, that happens notwithstanding anything in that person's will. So in a blended family, if you're wanting to provide for the kids of your first marriage uh, or earlier relationship, then if you own your home, and that's the major asset that you may have with your current partner, if you own it as joint tenants, then notwithstanding what you want done in your will, the property will immediately uh, roll over into your partner's name, which means that your intention pursuant to will was, was not carried through. Yeah, well, th- and I assume that would happen quite often. It, it does, it does. And it, again, it goes back to your advisor asking the right questions. Um, I know what we do in our firm, and we, we ask a series of questions even online or in a face-to-face meeting where commonly we will say, look, we don't particularly need to know the value. An accountant will want to know the value because they're they're all about the dollars and cents. The questions we should be appropriately asking is not how much the house is worth, but who owns it, in what names and how do you own it? And when it comes to sort of trusts and super funds, is there a a different type of uh, remedy or approach that's taken on those? Yeah, very differently, Dan. The we talked about a company before, and a company is probably a little bit easier to get our heads around because a company may own a property, and it may be the industrial shed that uh, you're operating your business out of, or or uh, or a little commercial unit in town that you that you're operating your, your your office through. And if you, in your will, say, "Look, my shares in that company is to go to my wife or to my kids," then at least the shares divest. Uh, uh, sorry, are transferred. On on uh, on death through the estate mechanism, and your beneficiaries get the, those shares, and then therefore they have control. But when you talk about a trust, a trust is quite different, and the real power is usually held not by the trustee nor by the beneficiaries, by a person called the principal or the appointor of the trust, and that person is like the power behind the throne. That person has the right to remove a trustee, to appoint another trustee. And if you think of and if you think of a trust, the trustee is the person who makes the decisions as to how to, to distribute income or capital to a beneficiary. Mm-hmm. So the principal or appointor is what you have to grapple with in your will. And that that's decidedly um, uh, difficult. If, for example, you have a number of trusts with a number of investment properties and you want to have one child to have one property, one child to have the other, you can't just simply say, I want my office building to go to my son and I want my industrial building to go to my other son or my daughter. You have to deal with 
the role that the appointor plays, and therefore your will may 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 have a clause in it that says the right of appointment or the power of appointment I give to my son, and therefore that person then has control. Do you see what I mean? I do. George, is it the case that when people set these trusts up that they may have, uh, you know, different uh, principles uh, executing power over different trusts? They can do. I mean, a different trust could have a different principle. It's 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 how it's set up. Mm-hmm. And the big quirk, of course, is that, if, for example, um, you, your, your family is fairly small, and if your will says, look, um, in the event of um, my wife predeceasing or my partner predeceasing me, then I appoint my sister as the executor of my will, and I um, also give her power of appointment to look after my children. Well, in most family discretionary trusts, they're so wide enough that your extended family, including your, your, your sister's kids and your sister, in fact, are, are possible beneficiaries. So to give your extended family the power to control your assets, you could find that your kids uh, miss out sadly. So there's a, that, sister, that, that, that control has to be properly addressed. And what about super, George? Super is difficult and uh, simple in concept, but difficult for a lot of people to grapple with. With superannuation, they think, oh, that's my money. But yes, you've contributed to a fund, whether it's a personal self-managed super fund or whether it's um, one with one of the major insurance houses. Yes, they're controlling your money, but it's a contract that you enter into with that superannuation trustee. And super is about planning for your retirement. In most policies, uh, sorry, in most funds and the deeds controlling those funds, there will be discussion and provisions as to what should happen on death, which is basically commensurate with what the value of your investment or the fund happens to be that you're entitled to. But there are serious tax benefits there that you have to look at and and get financial advice. Um, The nomination of who should benefit on your death is dealt with specifically in a superannuation fund. And if you nominate that person and don't revisit that at the time of making your will, you could find that what you were hoping to create under your will is quite at odds with the nominated beneficiary under your superannuation fund. So for argument's sake, if everything was going to your partner and you nominated your partner in the superannuation fund, you'd say, oh, look, that's okay. Mm. But even in a blended family scenario, you may want the superannuation to go to your kids of your first relationship. So if your superannuation fund is silent on that, it may fall into your will estate, the estate created by your will, and therefore be uh, provided for in relation to your will, which could go to your new partner as opposed to your kids. So you really do need to think of the assets and how they're controlled. It's complex, isn't it? Very, very. And um, we're used to it because we've been doing it for for over 30 years. And, of course, it is about knowing what questions to ask. And, and And in a lot of instances, a client coming to us partly armed at least is of some assistance because at least they have got their head around that question. So when they're filling in online instruction sheets with any any firm, they need to, to also be aware of the questions of control. So they need to ask those questions of their advisor and make decisions in that respect. 
And George, I, I suspect that if uh, somebody is seen, perhaps the public trustee or a local suburban uh, lawyer, and their estate lawyer isn't asking questions but is busily writing things down, they should be a little bit worried. Well, they should be alert to it. Um, they should be alert to the fact that this may not be easy. I um, had a client literally this week come in and see me and says, George, I've got a self-managed super fund. I know this isn't going to be simple. I know that this it's, it's going to be a bit more difficult. I don't want to do this online. I want to see you. And See, the online instruction sheet that we had alerted him to with those questions, you know, have you got this? Have you got Have you got a company? Have you got a trust? Have you got mm. a superannuation fund? So at least that we were able then in one meeting, uh, you know, a fixed price meeting, we were able to sit down and go through all those issues with him to be able to resolve where his plumbing business was going to be left at, at, on his death. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's great advice. Thanks, George. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening. We hope you found the podcast useful. If you have any questions, simply reach out to us at www.hatsis.com.au or by simply calling 3345 4388.